0: you motherfuckers if you want to actively dislike some bitches you should listen to the comics dash podcast because we suck but not as much as aquaman green arrow and harley quinn find out what other things suck every monday on we itunes android store wherever you get your good
1: podcasts at
0: Everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, and welcome to episode 57 of We The Gamer Cast, hosted by WeTheNerdy.com. It publishes on iTunes and Google Play every Monday. Thank you for listening and being here and subscribing. I am back. I am rested. Extra life is over. Guys, what a weekend. I don't even remember talking to you. It just happened. Somebody posted the episode online so thank you for doing that whoever that was um man let's not get too carried away if you're new here's the deal every week i have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet and we talk about video games if you want to be part of the show it's easy tweet at me at sean capri sean like connery capri like the pants and guys i am not going to change this whole little intro thing that we got going here it normally is a stranger But this week's guest, Evan Rodwell, I know very well. I used to work with him. We used to chat. Uh, We used to have five minutes. (laughs) We used to talk for a couple minutes about work, and then we'd be like, "Okay, so what's going on in Dragon Age? What's going on?" Like he he knows every turn, every, every every story beat. In all three games so well. And my brain just doesn't work like that. And so he, he was my sounding board. And, and uh, he was my way of diving deep into the, the world of Dragon Age Origins. And it just carried through with uh, 2 and then Inquisition, of course. And I think you need somebody like that in your life. If you're going to get into a game like this, you need somebody who can walk you through it. Can uh, be excited for the things that you're excited about and, and and wallow with you as well and something terrible happens, like, oh, that was tough for me too. You need somebody like that. And so Evan was that for me when I was going through Dragon Age, which I, I withhold is, or with not withhold, I hold, I believe. You know what I'm trying to say. Can't even blame sleep, sleep deprivation this week. I'm just dumb. Um, I believe it's one of the strongest series I've ever played. And only I can believe that because I'm the only one who played it. So what do you think about that? So we're going to talk a bunch about that in just a second. Uh, But before we do, I want to apologize to a good portion of you guys because last week I was so tired just coming off of the Extra Life stream. I was trying to be thankful and and reach out to everybody who donated that I was so tired that my screen, I couldn't see the next page button on my list of donors. As I'm reading out all the people who, who contributed to my Extra Life, I couldn't even see page two, the next page. So here we go. Thank you guys. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go to page two. Donating to my extra life: Sean Fedunik, Alexander Neal, Jennifer Blower, Garrett Bland twice, uh, Josh Stapleton, Amir Chang, Jonathan Beeler, and me. I was the first one. And if you're doing extra life, I gotta say, guys, it helps a lot to get yourself up off of that zero. Um, I think that really that really that was nice. So that I apologize to all you guys. I just I don't know what was happening last week. I think it's going to be a quick intro here before we get into my chat with Evan. Um, just to let you know we get into it in, in a little bit, so I'll just I'll leave it at that. But uh, I'm playing Skyrim. Uh, I got it from the library. Garrett told me it was great. Everybody on the internet is saying it's great. I'm not loving it. I might put it down unless somebody reaches out and tells me that I'm missing something. But I I talked to Evan about this. I don't think I'm missing anything. I just don't think this one's for me. And I'm really sorry for everybody who loves it and thinks that it's the greatest game ever not for me. On the other end of the spectrum, I'll tell you what I am playing <laughs> and loving. For some reason, I got the hankering to play an old game called Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. This is backwards compatible on my Xbox 1. This is not a deep game. This is not there is upgrading, I suppose. There there are um things that you can do on that light on that end of the spectrum. But very basic. Uh, but I just wanted a Star Wars game. I just, I guess, I just wanted something that I could veg out and have the game do a lot of the work for me. Skyrim, I think, I may, may, maybe just requires too many calories for me to to burn and become vested in that world. I just wanted to. I just wanted to. Kill some Stormtroopers and and use the Force. So that's where I'm at with, with games. I also have Titanfall waiting for me. Hopefully this week I'll jump into Titanfall. That is also from the library, which is amazing. And I'm gearing up for Black Friday. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. Uh, after my another favorite holiday, American Thanksgiving. I jump in with you guys. Normally I take it off. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I normally book the day and I play games and I watch football and just... Just do what you guys do, but I don't think it's going to happen, but I love American Thanksgiving because it's great, and Black Friday comes afterwards, I like shopping around for that stuff, getting all the games that came out, everybody paid full price for, and I swoop in and just pay half price. I don't know what everybody's so excited about paying full price for games when you know Black Friday's right around the corner. But anyway, I digress. We're going to get into it because we, Evan and I talked for a little bit. We talk about the age old question Dragon Age versus Skyrim, Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to talk about Jeopardy uh, somewhere in there as well. And you guys can follow Evan. He's at Sylvius underscore the underscore mad. Sylvius the mad with underscores instead of spaces. Here he is, Evan Rodwell. (laughs) I was thinking last time, I'm like, I can't wait to talk Dragon Age again. I'm like, wait a minute, Morgan. Okay, very, like, I'm trying to, like, consciously think, like, where, where, why do you have this so, like, locked in your brain? Why do you have Dragon Age, like, right at the tip, always?
2: Well, I lived on the Bioware forums for um, the 15 years they were active. hmm. They went, Bioware opened their own forum in October of 2001. When I signed up on the second day, I was usually 5,298. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and they opened their own forum because previously they just the forum had been run by their publisher, Interplay, but mm-hmm. they, were, they were suing their publisher uh, for missing milestone payments on or Nights, which is a great game. Um, so they started their own forum and uh, got a different publisher. But So I stayed there and they announced Dragon Age in 2003, I think. Mm-hmm. It was right after um, Knights of the Old Republic came out. And they then announced they were going to make Jade Empire, and they wanted to make sure that PC players knew that they were going to do more PC games, so they announced this game really early in its development, And been mm-hmm. seven years. They just announced, last week or week before, Aaron Flynn, the general manager of Byron announced on Twitter that uh, Byron, Dragon Age Origins had now been released for as long as it was in development.
0: <laughs> Finally! Holy crap!
2: So, I lived on that forum with Dragon Age forever, mm-hmm. and then came out I stayed because I, I love dragon age and it was like a wherever I wherever I was I was always home when I went to that forum mm-hmm. closed in August of this year uh, but I so that's why I know Dragon Age what I talked about as it? my primary ledger activity I argue about Dragon Age and game design um, what about
0: there. it like what what caught your attention
2: well I'm I'm a I love origins stood out at the time because it came out right after Mass Effect and it was the, the silent protagonist thing, mm-hmm. and it, it did really well. All the things I think silent protagonists do, and the voice protagonists don't. So Which it was is what? A, um, well, let, let me get to that. So <laughs> sorry, <laughs> don't don't jump ahead. Don't don't skip ahead. All right. <laughs> so so it, I kept I had to refer to it back all the time in discussions to point out examples of how things work well and. You know, in subsequent games, in, in, the other, in the Mass Effect games or in Dragon Age 2,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it has good points. Um, but the voice, I think, really failed in that one. So, uh, so I, I talked about it Cosmo. It. So, what I think it did well is it allows the player to sort of design the character's personality in advance mm-hmm. and play that personality and see where the story goes without without just following along with the story. I still don't really understand how I'm supposed to play the voice protagonist games.
0: Right, because you're not sure if it's, like, are you you? Are you somebody else? Like, because you well, have a lot of, like, y- y- I know that this is about you, and maybe you could describe this a little bit, like how um, there's almost, like, it, it causes you pause th- um, the agency of the player, whether it's the players or the characters. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
2: Right. I almost wrote a great length about the difference between player agency and character agency. Uh huh. And that was a long time ago. Um, so it's, I'm not sure I can summon a really coherent argument on that point right now. But, uh, yeah, I think the player should have agency over his character. But I use male pronouns here because I don't like plural pronouns. Um, <laughs> I still think V and thou are a bad thing for OA. The plural of you is a terrible idea. <laughs> oh. How do I say this? So, the player should have. If, if the player is being asked to make decisions on behalf of the character, uh-huh. those decisions need to be based on some understanding of the character.
1: Okay. So,
2: the, player, the player's input into the character, and then the character just makes decisions in the game. I think people. Conflate those two things too much. The character ends up making decisions, and they think the player has agency because the character gets to make decisions. But if the player didn't get to decide how those decisions work or why they're being made, I don't think the player is really involved enough in the game.
0: Okay, so oh. sorry, go
2: ahead. No, no, go ahead. I don't know what oh, I was
0: gonna. Oh, no, that's okay. I was gonna. So I was gonna ask. Like, I feel like Dragon Age does a good job, at least in the first one, with Origins of giving you an understanding of the world that you're in so that you can kind of understand, like, what would this character do? Or are you taking it the opposite way? Or are you completely putting yourself in that situation to or, say, I'm going to, f- like, fuck Jowen?
2: Well, it's not my not myself. It's important. People often think this is it's a self-insert where you play yourself and you're to right. yeah, playing their character. And I don't think, I, I don't really want to do either. I want to play a character that I designed. And then this is growing somewhere I like. <laughs> um, so, and, and Origins offers great examples for this. So, I, to me, a playable game is a replayable game. Mm-hmm. So, I want to be able to play a game and then play it again, or play parts of it again, and have it be very different. Mm-hmm. And I think the Mage Origin in, in Origins does a great job of illustrating this. There's a specific conversation with Grand Enchanter Irving. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about Jalen, because Jalen wants to escape our. And uh, his, his girlfriend Lily's gonna help. I Can't believe I got Lily's name, right? Um, and how do I think? So, so you have to go to Irving at some point to home mm-hmm. and it, you need to talk to Irving to find out how to continue on. But when you talk to Irving, you can have exactly the same conversation, choosing exactly the same dialogue options. But if your objective is to tell on, to 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 rat out Jalen. Uh, and tell Irving, look, Jowen's trying to escape. Let's say you're playing a mage who believes in the Circle and thinks it's doing a good work, and you think that the mages do need to be protected from the people, and the people do need to be protected from the mages, and mm-hmm. it's all a system. Jowen's plan is horrifying. So you need to go tell Irving about it. Yeah. If, however, you view the Circle as a prison, and you think that the primary responsibility of a prisoner is to escape, so Jowen comes to you, I want to help him escape. If I can escape with him, I will. Yep. You go have Irving. You follow the same dialogue path through that conversation. But it's a very different conversation depending on what your character's motivations are and why he's saying certain things. Mm-hmm. And this works in Origins, I think, partly because you can. As you choose dialogue options with a silent protagonist, you know what the option is before you choose it, unlike the voice. So I suppose more maybe this is more of a paraphrase problem than a voice problem.
0: Right, because the whole sentence is, is there. You're not guessing, like. I want to be aggressive, and then he just kills somebody,
2: right? Or so something when crazy like that, you can tell in advance before you click the button. You know, or you can you can construct in your own mind. You can headcanon this, um, to use the online term. <laughs> you can uh, you can decide why your character is saying a thing specifically. What what the character's objective is in saying a thing. I, I do this all the time when I play these these Silent dragon games. So choose mm-hmm. a list of dialogue. Seeing the list of dialogue options, I forgot to the read. There uh, is isn't the process of just choosing the one that fits your character best. You go through; them, I go through them all and see which ones are compatible with my character right now, my uh-huh. character's state of mind right now. Some of these options are valid or are, are valuable, and some of them are not. And then I can choose among them which one I want. And sometimes I'll read them in the first pass; none of them work, which is not a problem because I can just go through are there different ways to read this are there different ways to mean these lines mm-hmm. inevitably there's almost always a way to deliver or to intend the line that works for the character I've designed regardless of the character I've designed I wish you played Knights of the Old Republic the there's good examples at the beginning of that about how you can do this in ways that make some guy in the Bioware forum once came up with this borrowed example of trying to disprove my playstyle. And- <laughs>
0: The forums are an amazing place,
2: man. And uh, he's a great guy. I think he's a lawyer now, but uh-huh. uh, but his example was really good because I think my playstyle still worked in it, and yeah. it was completely disregarding the whole of Star Wars lore and completely ignoring any backstory they he gave you, and saying and just like deciding you in fact were a green tentacle alien trapped inside a human shaped body, mm-hmm. and you didn't speak the language they spoke. And it was amazing. I thought the game still worked like that. Do you, th-
0: do you think that's a credit to like the way that it's designed, that it's so open, or is it designed with that in mind? And then, like people like me, and probably the majority of people out there, just don't even realize that they're picking up on one of the various options that Bioware is sort of implanted into the games that they create.
2: I doubt Bioware ever intended me to be able to play in the way I do. Uh, <laughs>
0: but it works like every time that's the thing that you're able to take this very specific approach and just apply it throughout. Like, I feel like that, does that happen by accident? I feel like it would happen by accident with Skyrim or with other, like, I don't, or maybe you are able to take that with Skyrim is, is it specific to Bioware games or are you able to take this elsewhere?
2: Well, it's in Bioware games, um, especially, well, actually now Inquisition worked out really well. So even now, even now, Bioware games probably are the best environment for my play style, uh, Where mm-hmm. I construct my character and play my own, like, I construct the story as I go. And it matches their story a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, Origins doesn't have a ton of story. It's like, there's an archdemon, you must defeat it. That's basically the story. And everything else is detailed. You get fill in about how you, and what your objectives are. And you might not actually get to the demon, depending on where you uh, go. My favorite character ever in Origins did, died in Haven when Sten killed him. What? Yeah, you, you yeah. don't
0: reach the end.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily reach the end of a game. I don't like to reload. Um, I don't, I won't reload. Oh,
0: much. right, right, okay. So yes, I remember. Yes, I got you, got you, Yeah, but you're listening <laughs> to. Yeah, well, they need to go play Dragon Age. What's your favorite? I want to ask you, what's your favorite like origin story? Is is it the mage story, or is it like the elves, or who do you like?
2: Um. I'm always gonna have a soft spot for the mages. My first playthrough in any game like that is always a mage. Yeah, me I have, too I have a standard character I play first time through, who's always the same guy. And I in large part judge a game based on how well that the game supports my first character.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a fifty one year old wizard.
0: Fifty one? Why fifty one?
2: It's an old D and D character of mine from the But um but <laughs> so thanks, that's Mages. I really like the um the dwarf commoner origin. Uh-huh. Um, because it leaves tons of space for the backstory. You don't have to, it doesn't t- lock in a lot of details about the backstory of your character.
0: It, what is it for people who don't know? It,
2: the origin of the, of the dwarf commoner is fundamentally that you're, um, you're employed as part of a crime syndicate as like a thug, your hired muscle
1: mm-hmm.
2: crime syndicate in Orzammar. And then things go wrong and you get effectively disavowed by your people and you need to, you need to, you need to survive on your own. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's it. So all the other details are yours. It's not so constrained as the um as uh, the most constrained is probably the human noble, which I never really like. Um, the human noble where you're a member of the noble family and, and there's some background there. Or the um the city of which the city of is a great origin. The city yes. o, in a way it illustrates the direction Bioware went after that, where they construct a really detailed backstory and do it really well, but they sort of lock you into it. Right. So in a way, the city elf origin is great as an option. I don't. I wouldn't love it if it were the only way to start the game.
0: Is the city elf the one that starts with the wedding? Am I yeah. right? So you start out with, and it depends on which gender you choose as well, right? Where,
2: and I think it works better if you're if you're a female elf, where you're 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 in this arranged marriage uh, at the beginning, and then humans come in and, and um, abduct all the women from the wedding party. Yeah. <laughs> party. <laughs>
0: That's insane.
2: And then you end up in jail. Well, if, if you're, if you're, um, well, no, well, let's see. If you're, if you're a female elf, it means you're going to, you're going to be assaulted at this party. So you need to take up arms and fight your way out. Mm-hmm. That, they had this great promotional picture at the beginning, before the game came out, they had a promotional poster for each origin, and the major origin was this elf in a torn and bloodied wedding dress. It was amazing. Um, if you're, a, if you're a male elf, though, it means you're, Bride gets abducted, and then you have to choose, you have to choose it, which it means it's not really a choice. You have to go in and rest. <laughs> and I don't think that works as well.
1: hmm
2: It's just not so much a thing. It's a thing you have to do instead of a thing that happens to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the beginning of Mass Effect 3. I wouldn't mind having I wouldn't mind being able to choose to be concerned about that kid at the beginning in the opening in the opening cinematic, but right. being, do it bothers me.
0: You kind of just let him fall and die. I,
2: yeah, I not am not the reekers. I didn't die. <laughs> You are cold-hearted. And given that he died, I don't need to be that torn up about it because it's not my fault. So, but then through the whole game, Shepard's all, "Ah, his baby, his kid died." It's- your
0: logic is irrefutable. Um, I need to ask about this. Your your history with uh Dungeons and Dragons and the 51 year old mage. What? Where the hell does that come from?
2: Okay, so well, he was. He was my favorite D and D character. I started playing D and D in nineteen. But you
0: made him, right? Yeah, like you create
2: that's a character. That's how D and D works. Yeah, you get a system of rules. I have I I own the um, the core rules for every edition of Dungeons and Dragons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons.
0: You don't just own them though; like they're in your head.
2: Well, some of them I, I the new <laughs> memorized that well. Um, fourth edition was a mess, so I didn't I didn't really pay much attention to that. And then fifth edition, which is better from my first reading, but I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, first through third, I know really well. But yeah, so you can. The rules are basically: this is how races work, this is how classes work, this yeah. is how the, the game works. Construct your character. Use one of our settings or not.
0: How old are you when you first discovered Dungeons and Dragons?
2: Um, well, I first I first played D and D when I was probably thirteen. Okay. Um, it was a uh, it was it was still first edition, second edition then, not come out yet, and uh, and second edition came out shortly thereafter. But I had already played. Uh, computer role-playing games. Okay. In, um, when I was probably nine, the first time I played, uh, Questron on my Commodore 64. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
2: Which is, uh, it's a classic Western RPG in that you get a character and they drop you in a world and give you no guidance at all of what to do after that. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, I remember the starting map, uh, there's, uh, because it's, it's a tile-based, and you walk around this world, and there's cities you can visit. In the starting map, there's one town on the map, so you sort of have some hint. Maybe you should go there and check out what's going on. It's called Gerald Town. that town? <laughs> um, so, and and I remember the first time I played it, you go to, once you gain a level, I think, um, you are fighting fight monsters and gain levels, and once you gain a level, one of the merchants in a town will say, Mezron wants to see you. You have no idea who Mezron is. Mezron's the court wizard in the castle.
1: Yeah. The castle.
2: The castle. And there's only one map in the whole game. And it's in the castle. And it's wrong. There's what? This, this, you know, Why? little cartography, I guess.
0: <laughs> like on purpose it's wrong, or like what
2: Oh. This is what there's one big difference. There's a big section of mountains near the castle. And in the map, it shows that between these two sets of mountains there's a passage to sea out of this big this big bay. Uh
1: huh.
2: In fact it's not. There's no passage at all. It's a lake. So, if you buy a boat in this bay, you can't get to the ocean.
0: Why would they- that sounds awful. Well, no, because it's, it's- I it's, would throw my computer out there, I would throw anything, whatever it is, I'm flipping the table at that point.
2: I get to finally find the castle, I know where Mezron is, I finally get to the castle, and I'm trying to find Mezron in the castle. And the castle is so big, and there's no built-in mapping process in the game. My characters starve to death trying to find Mezron <laughs> in this oh castle. Oh
0: my god, that sounds awful. Why would you ever play this? Like, why is this fun?
2: I loved it. Because you, you build up a character and you have a you have a plan for what your character wants to be. And, and
0: anything can happen.
2: The plot in Quest Run is really simple. There's a big bad guy and you need to kill him. Yeah. And, like, you, just, you start in one continent and there's another continent called the Land of Evil. That's run by the bad guy and you have to go there and fight Top of
1: <laughs> Land <up>. of Evil. <laughs>
2: it's, it's the 80s that. Yeah. <laughs> um... I still have. I, st- I wish I had it handy. I still have the original box and manual from Questron.
0: How much do you think that's worth?
2: Oh, I don't. It's not in perfect shape. <laughs> I, mean, I have Questron Two as well, which is basically the same game over again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In fact, it is because you have to. Because then it turns out you have to go defeating Mesron didn't work. so You have to go back in time to defeat Mesron before you defeated Mesron the first time.
0: <laughs> I can't even. Follow. Who introduces you to any of this? Like, how did yeah, it doesn't just end up in your house.
2: No, I, I have an older brother, I suspect, um, who uh, who introduced me to that. He certainly wanted to introduce me to D D later. Uh-huh. Probably four years after that. So uh, DD I got my first character I made a Paladin. I didn't know the rules of the game, so I actually broke the rules of my first character did a dwarf paladin. But oh, you um, can't
0: have you can't have that?
2: You can in oh when did they let you do any race any class? Um, probably third edition. But okay. not and so cam- by creating a character,
0: you're, like, are you, like, because I've never done it, this is, done, D&D is, like, not for the casual fan at all. Like, I feel like you really have to dive into this thing. I have been outside looking in for as long as I can remember. The, the closest thing I'll ever get to it is Dragon Age and Baldur's Gate and those sorts of things.
2: It's important, though, because I think the objective of a computer role-playing game, and I continue to call them as um, CRPGs. Uh, yeah. Was back when I remember them. And, uh, is that I think the objective should be, and the developers completely disagree with me on this, so they're never going to do (laughs) it. I think the objective should be to recreate the gameplay experience of playing a tabletop role-playing game, but Mm -hmm. without other players.
0: Without the what, sorry?
2: Without the need for other players. Gotcha, gotcha. Because a tabletop role-playing game is, by necessity, a multiplayer game. Yep. And I I don't love multiplayer. I like it less and less as I get older. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, people suck,
0: as one tends to do. Yep, yep.
2: <laughs> so, um, and you you have your own schedule, and you're you want to be able to just get away from the world and, and, and go fight dragons, or, or or subvert systems and overthrow governments or things. And what are we Um, I want to talk about Dragon Age Two in a minute because it's it's, it's uh, I mean, there's something really I, I really like about it. I want to get to it, but uh, um, yeah. So you create a character and, and you go do the thing in D <laughs> and and uh, the mage. I, uh, he was a thief. He was a thief. Um, swashbuckler, the second edition of ad And, uh, he got to like level nine, and then a magic item changed his alignment. D&D has alignments, they have personality broad categories, um, mm-hmm. unethical and moral codes, so you're lawful, neutral, or chaotic, and you're good, neutral, or evil. Mm-hmm. Like, most most players play chaotic good characters, I find, um, because they think chaotic is fun and, like, they're all freedom-made, they are all freedom if they do not follow rules, but they're still. You still want to be heroes? <laughs> no judgment at all there. Um, but uh, so I was doing that because I didn't, I didn't uh, have any better arguments at the time. And then I kind of reversed the alignment of my character, made him lawful evil. Unlawful evil, I got to tell you, is the most fun. Lawfully evil. Lawful evil. So lawful evil—they're they're diligent and they're regimented and they follow. They, they keep their word, but they're not concerned about like the welfare of others. Think there's sort of uh, Darth Vader is a great example of a lawful evil character. He's often used in the books. These examples of lawful evil characters. Okay,
0: Vader. build off this Darth Vader lawful evil thing because he seems like he's just evil. Like what's the what's the lawful part of it? Well,
2: because he, oh, he has he has rules he follows. He he uh, well, he wants to. If you look at it, he's trying to bring order to the galaxy. He's trying to unite his family. Mm-hmm. It's his son to follow in the footsteps, and, and they're going to bring order. It's all about bringing order to the galaxy. The Rebels are just causing chaos. They're breaking down systems. And the they're Rebels, they're, they're, they're classic chaotic good. They want to stop the tyranny of the bad guys, but they want everyone to be free and be able to do what they want.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, so um, my, anyway, the character wants his alignment with Loppolo with a dual-class necromancer. And that's, that, that became the guy. <laughs> and hmm. then, he, then he pretended to be crazy so the rest of the party wouldn't know that he dual class a necromancer. Because... He's like level nine of course. He's suddenly losing all your thief powers and suck the party. So he needs to have some explanation for why he wasn't using his thief skills, which he can't do now that he's blue plus to necromancer. Um, so he pretended to be insane. And how,
0: how? What do you mean? Like, how does this all um, <laughs> manifest in the gameplay? Like all these different like choices and like, are you taking this character from like one? Sit down with D D, and you you pick them up and go somewhere else, and people just have to trust that that's where you're at with the character. Like I don't.
2: Well, D D is typically you have a, like a you have a group you play with uh, okay. like on a regular basis. So like yeah. most you get together for it was typically like eight or ten hours at a time. And you'd hang on someone's basement. The 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 the, uh, the stereotype is you'd hang on someone's basement and like eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> of course. But uh, we never drank Mountain Dew because there was no <laughs> Mountain Dew in Canada back then. <laughs> Um, so Mountain Dew didn't work, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's how it works. So the rest of the party, they, they didn't know. So you can tell the, you tell the Dungeon Master off to the side. It's like, I'm going to dual class my character to, to the for this reason, mm-hmm. censor my character, but I'm not going to tell them, so don't tell the other players because it's that secret. Yeah. Um, so then I had to make it work so the other players didn't find out that i dual-class It didn't work for that long, but in the end they decided I was crazy. And they dubbed me Silvius the Mad, which is how I got the name.
1: Ah,
2: from so, your Twitter. That's right. So that's uh, that's that's uh, yeah, on the internet, I'm known primarily as Silvius the Mad
0: <laughs> on forums across across the world. So you're you're playing D anD D, then Bioware comes up out of nowhere. How do you how do you discover Bioware as a company?
2: The timing the timing was great. So I bought. Um, I moved out of my parents' house uh, in 1998, 99. Um, because they sold the house off under me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have left.
0: <laughs> it sounds like the story right out of like it could have been the 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 next uh, origin story.
2: I was twenty four, so I'd uh, I I got my first real job when I was twenty three. my 1st like full time job, and because uh, I finished school, and I had nothing else to do
0: which was which was which job was this the first full time job?
2: Uh, it was I was I was, uh, I was uh, just a data entry clerk. Turned to database administrator job. I'm not a real database administrator. I have charities and, and, and use the term differently. Gotcha. But yeah, was just I don't know man- anything about that. Managing a database for a for a political party actually.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So, uh, that was the job I got in '98. So I had I had an income for the first time in my life because I never really worked before. Which is you know sad. I was 23, <laughs> but uh, i would never really seen the point. So I, I my plan was to buy a computer. My own my my parents' computer had gotten old, and I could no longer play PC games on their computer. And hadn't for a couple of years. The last game I'd really tried to play there was like Ultima Seven came out nineteen ninety one, maybe I don't forget. Yeah. Um, I lost track of the later Ultima games because I couldn't play them when they came out because I didn't have a computer to run them. So I bought my own computer in two ninety nine, and uh, a guy I knew. Um, uh, who, uh, whom I, uh, I called celibate by Mike. Um, he, uh, everyone had nicknames, of course, back in the day. hmm hmm We were at, like, Costco one time. And, uh, and, uh, Mike said, you need, you're gonna buy a computer, you need to get these two games for your computer. And I didn't even have the computer yet. Um, I hadn't even moved out of my parents' house yet, but I was planning to, and I knew as soon as I did, I was gonna buy a computer. Which I spent way too much money on, because it, it was the first one I ever bought. Yeah. And, uh, so the two games he told me I had to buy were Baldur's Gate. And uh, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri.
0: Good call.
2: <laughs> and I, I still play Alpha Centauri to this game. I probably played Alpha Centauri this week. Uh, I, uh, I've i never had a computer without Alpha Centauri installed on it ever since yeah. then. It's an amazing game. That's awesome. And Baldur's oh Gate was, was terrific because it was exactly the thing. It was a great stepping step up from the old RPGs I played, the old Ultima series, which is terrific. I maintain the best CRPG ever made is Ultima 4. Mm hmm. Um, which came out in 85. Um, and I paid 80 US dollars for it in the store.
0: <laughs> Your memory is amazing.
2: Well, because I, I always use that as an example. Because people complain when like, the price of games goes from $50 to $60 US, and, and that happened when the US dollar fell in 2009. And it's like, look, the price of games have been falling in real dollars for decades. Like, yeah. the, the game I bought in 1986 for, for 80 US dollars using the inflation rate, I should pay like $200. Canadian dollars for that now. Mm-hmm, Charging us mm-hmm. $60 means the games are way cheaper than they used to be. You're
0: and getting... bigger and, yeah.
2: You're getting way more expensive games to develop. Like, Sid off Centauri was made by a company that employed 17 people. Yeah. Including the administrative staff, like the receptionist.
0: <laughs> How do you
2: know that? I remember everything I read.
0: I know. Well, what about Bioware? So, Bioware comes up and, and you're, you're playing um, Baldur's Gate. And do you know, like, what do you know about it before you even start? Like, you just know that it's based on d and
2: I knew it was based on D&D, which is a good head start for me, yeah. um, because I knew the rules. And like uh, all good games back at the time, it came with a really detailed manual, yeah. 100 pages long. That detailed all the rules they were going to use and where they're going to deviate from the rules. Uh, so it, it worked out to be a terrific, terrific game for me to get back into, at that point, modern gaming. I'd missed sort of the, the late 90s um, heyday, like Fallout and Fallout 2. Right. And I'd even miss Diablo, which I then later tried later. In Would back. you
0: have played those first Fallout games? Like, you're more. Ter- like, I'm actually surprised um, that Baldur's Gate was. Uh, up- well, I- it was turn based as well, right?
2: Baldur's Gate's real time with pause.
0: It's kind of right, yeah. So it's kind of- that's why I pause a little bit. I'm like, uh, it seems was- like it was kind of both.
2: Fireworks never made a turn based game. What they did is. Baldur's Gate, I think, was the first one that took that turn based mechanic and made it a real time with pause. So the turns happen in the background. Right. Because they'll all take them at the same time. Mm-hmm. pause at any time and change what you're doing um no real time with positive the real innovation of bios i think and like other people continue to make turn-based games after that like the uh, temple of elemental evil came out which is a direct port of an old tabletop d&d module mm-hmm. made by a, uh was it troika made that game which is guys who left black isle which is game wing of interplay that published public well, gate okay. um but yeah no so then that and I found the forum because uh, I needed help with the game. The game I just wanted to talk to people about the game, and I had a job with Paramount downtime, so I did that mostly at work. Right. Uh, and then that was that was my home forever. So that's how I became really stuck into Bioware stuff because I lived on their forum. And so like it, the developers the, began to know you. Some of them for a time. Um, this this became less and became less true as de- that that company grew. And as they spent less time in the forum, and I didn't notice it as much. Mm-hmm. So I realized they, they stopped knowing who I was. But for a, for a time, yeah, I was such a regular on their forum. They would. There was a time when the developers had banter on their forum. The forums became, of course, sort of a toxic place as they got a bigger fan base. And mm-hmm. in a less friendly place, generally. Right. Um, uh, trolls weren't really a thing. That's not true. I recall. It, <laughs> In 2001, there was a group of people who objected to being to there being forum rules on virus forums, and they banded together. They called themselves the anti oppression Federation, and they were fundamentally they old Fallout fans, and Fallout has a really sort of anti-establishment sort of bent to it, especially mm-hmm. games. And they they were sort of the, and they like, like Fallout had prostitution and drug use, all sorts of things that didn't appear in most mainstream games. So they sort of thought they could talk about anything and went off and buyware through the month. And they kept showing up. And they were using AOL accounts which had dynamic IP addresses, so in the end Bioware just had to ban all AOL addresses.
0: No way, really?
2: Yeah, These guys know.
0: ruined it for everybody on America Online. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's
2: awful. They're the anti oppression federation. They're like old we they were like Gamergate back then, back in the day.
0: But it turns out Bioware was kind of onto something. they like, you know what, you guys aren't going to be around for much longer anyway. So we're just gonna we're just gonna remove any of you are, any of you guys who are on America Online.
2: Yeah, and it, you <laughs> take your
0: free trial CDs and get the hell out of here. <laughs> so okay, so you're on. And, okay, I wanted to ask you about. Didn't you meet like a writer, or were you just chatting with one of the writers from from Dragon Age?
2: Um, I have met some of the dev- the developers from. Dragon Age, but it wasn't like anything fancy. It was, I met him in a con. I went, I went to a, a convention and I got to meet um, uh, David Gator,
1: yep,
2: and um, who now works at Bean Dog, and uh, and Mike Laidlaw, who's the um, who he was what is he? he was the creative director for Dragon Age, I think. Mm-hmm. By the time I met him, he wasn't originally. That was a Trent Oster, wasn't it? Not Trent Oster. What's his name? Dan Dan Tudge. Who left you should me. be asking me.
0: I'd have to... People will hear me Googling it, so my, my microphone will pick up me clicking, clicking, clicking.
2: That's okay. Because he gets the game is dark and gritty.
0: He said that you were dark and gritty?
2: He said the game, all, all the time he's promoting Dragon Age Origins, all he ever said was, it's dark and it's gritty. It's,
0: I guess it kind of is. Like, even the graphics are kind of gritty, actually. Um, there's no smooth way to do this, but I want to transition over to Jeopardy. I don't know if he knew I was going to do this, but I want to know the jeopardy story you were supposed to be on it or you qualified for jeopardy like where, where does jeopardy happen for you?
2: Okay. So I, I have not appeared on jeopardy before anyone gets excited. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, like many people, I'm sure I, I tried to qualify for jeopardy. I, I took, I took the online tests every year they came up, but I was eligible.
0: What are the tests like? Like for, I haven't even, I didn't even know that was a thing. So like, what are they asking you?
2: Well, they stopped letting Canadians do it for a while. Um, because but,
0: we're amazing? Yeah. Like, stop, Canada, they built a wall?
2: <laughs> Based on, their, I think they misunderstood um, Canada's anti-spam laws. But mm. uh, they seem to have corrected that misunderstanding now. But So the online test, you say, I want to take this test, and it's a regimented time, it's everyone takes it at the same time. It used to be they'd go around from city to city, go to a live event, but now you take the time. And when I did, it, it was online. So there's a test, and you get a question that appears on screen every 15 seconds. And you type in your answer, and after 15 seconds, you get the next question.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, you know if it's right or not? Like you type it in and you have no feedback?
2: No feedback at all. You type it in and it advances. You can advance faster than 15 seconds if you want. But um, And maybe they've changed this. It's been a while since i took it. But you, you answer the question, and they, I assume, take the test back and decide who passed the test and who didn't. And then there's a – I think there's a bit of a lottery because there's probably too many people pass the test. And it would be easy, I suppose, to cheat on the test by having more than one person in the room when you take it. Right. You, you're the expert on geek but Don't do that, though. That's not an ADX for people. (laughs) But, uh... They will find out eventually. There's rules I can game them. So, uh, yeah, so I passed the test, apparently, and uh, and they contacted me and said, we'd like you to come for a live audition. Um... and when you take the test, you get to choose where you want to go for a live audition. And uh, I picked uh, to go to California, just because yeah. it was closest to me. As the crow flies at the time, um, I was in Vancouver. So I went down to California, and in uh, there they give you a written test, which is uh, like it's genuinely hard. And then,
0: what kind of answers are you writing that that are written? Like their their whole game is just you. Ask in a form of a question. So I'm gathering this written test is a little bit more involved. Is it like essay writing or something like that?
2: No, no. It's 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 straight up the same sorts of questions, but they actually do ask you questions. But they ask you very specific questions about you know if you is about some Russian novel with a train in it and some event in the book and what 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 novel is it? and the answer if it's a Russian novel with a train is going to be Anna Karenina. Let's face it. Obviously, but uh um, what? How do
0: you know that?
2: <laughs> that helped actually because we did have a question like that. I didn't know the answers. I bet this is anachronistic, and I was right. Didn't um, know one. <laughs> this has to be. I didn't know the answer, but you can. They they like certain types of topics. You can- yeah. At the time, I watched Jeffrey a lot, so I I, uh, I knew these things. So I took the test, and then there's a they have a mock up with a set, and the they-, they appear on screen. They give you a little the signaling button. They do lessons on how to signal in and they they and they you had to submit in advance the facts about yourself because remember during the show Alex Trebek asked the contestants to tell a little anecdote. Yeah. So I gave them the anecdotes to ask me questions about and they picked the one they liked the most about a time when I went to the premiere of the Lord of the Rings movies and the Ian McKellen showed up. That was a cool story. <laughs> uh, he'd missed the premieres of the movies in, in Los Angeles and London because he was in Vancouver making X-Men 2. So he came to the he came to the premiere in Vancouver.
0: What are the chances? I love that story.
2: Midnight showing of the first Lord of the Rings movies, and Ian McKellen shows up, and it was really cool. So I told that story in the Jeopardy guys, that was fun.
0: Those but, are the things that nerds everywhere dream about. Like, totally irrational. Just like, oh, maybe one of the stars of the movies will show up just unannounced. Yes. And he totally did. That's amazing.
2: And then in the Jeopardy thing, one of the categories they gave me in the mock Jeopardy, where they had three people trying to signal in, one of the categories was state post abbreviations. Yeah. Like, and that category. I can do the reactions. I send. I used to send mail for a living, <laughs> so uh, I did really well. Uh-huh. Apparently, I'm not good TV because um, I ended up in the contestant pool. They said we get about twice as many contestants as we need. Yes, so there's about a fifty fifty chance we'll end up on the show. We'll contact you when we'd like you on the show. We we'll give you about six weeks notice, and uh, they never did. So I didn't. I didn't end up on Jeopardy. I don't.
0: Thing. I wouldn't chalk it up to anything about being good on TV. I think you'd be. I think you'd be great on TV, but. It, Maybe it's just a st- statistics thing, just it, literally just 50-50 chance, and sometimes it comes up no house.
2: I, I doubt they're randomly choosing. I suspect they choose uh, contestants based on the demographic profiles of their audience and who they've had on the show recently. So if, if men have been winning too much, they choose mm-hmm. them for, uh, they explicitly said it's really hard for lawyers to get on a show, because lawyers are too good at the show. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, they don't choose lawyers very often. And if you watch Jeopardy, this, and I haven't watched Jeopardy in years now, but, um, there are lots of lawyers on the show. Mm-hmm. They tend to win. So they stick around for days.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like they actually, Jeopardy gets even more attention when they've got somebody who's like strung a bit of a, a winning streak along. So that, that could work for them. I feel, and, and I was going to say like, I feel like I see like you on Jeopardy all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when I, when, now that I'm picturing the whole setup, I'm picturing like you on the left-hand side. Cause you won last week as well
2: today oh there you go yeah
0: that's that's the picture i've got in my mind what are you what are you playing now Are you're still playing fallout these days or what's going on
2: um right now actually i'm uh, i'm just finally getting into what is probably going to be my canonical playthrough of inquisition um what is
0: what what do you mean that is your, your canonical playthrough
2: well i never used to have a canonical playthrough but the dragon age keep means that i have to have some playthrough for each previous game that i i decide is the backstory for the subsequent game right so, uh, so my uh, my my origins playthrough that I stuck with is my first mage playthrough because um, I, I just love mages and uh, he was a lot of fun. He either freed the mages or tried to, and, and uh, you know rescued Jalen because he thought he was a prisoner in the tower. Fuck, Jalen. Yeah, I love Jalen. John's really
0: He's a weasel.
2: I <laughs> set well, I set him free in game <laughs> after not saving the damn town. I never understood. This is okay. <laughs>
0: I did that by accident. I'm sorry.
2: So I don't. I, I used to argue with people online all the time about this. I never understood why people would save the town. Your your goal here is to defeat the Archfiend. The town is a side project and it's dangerous. It's reckless to go fight undead creatures when you could lose and die, and then you haven't defeated the Archfiend.
0: That's like what you, save games are for. It'll be fine. Ah, see, I don't metagaming. Met, 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 okay, met. so you're playing your canonical yeah, Inquisition. So I,
2: so Dragon Age 2, I want to talk about this. Dragon Age 2, I think, did one thing really, really well. They had this unreliable narrator in the game. Varric who's telling the story. Mm. And he, he's explicitly lying some of the time. And then Cassandra calls him on. and have to go back and show you the rest of the game how it really worked. Yeah. But nobody ever really was telling the truth. So I decided I could rewrite parts of the game in my, in my head stories. <laughs> I love it. So in The Keep, I filled in the story that Varric told and I decided to play subsequent games as if the actual story was the one I decided on. hmm So in my, in my headcanon, Hawk is the guy who... Mm-hmm. The
0: oh, spoilers! And...
2: There's a passy.
0: I need to... I think I need to do this for because I want people to listen to this and then go play Dragon Age if they haven't to. What the heck are we at? Something around 43 I'm going to bleep that.
2: Okay, good call. You do do that. So, anyway, I decided to rewrite part of the game for my backstory. So, then now I'm, well, with that backstory, now I'm playing Inquisition again as a mage. He's still fundamentally the same character I played in Origins, even though it's a different guy. But mm-hmm. still, his personality is very similar. And, because uh, I I've, I've played through Inquisition now twice with different characters to see how it works, and it does work with different characters. You can play through it, uh, with, with uh, with different objectives in mind. And, and a different opinion about how this whole Inquisition thing works. And why right. think Inquisition works so well is when you start the game, you're not like some anointed hero. It seems like before you get to Skyhold, you're like a, you're like a junior member of the team. Mm-hmm. And that really works out. It's not like you're oh you're the hero right out of the gate, here's the whole plot for you on a silver platter. It it develops over time and you can't see it. And that's one of the things I always liked about Baldur's game, was the plot isn't revealed to you right away. Right. You meet you meet some guy who turns out to be a main villain pretty early in the game, but you don't know who's the main villain and then how to get from here to there isn't clear. And there's all sorts of plot hooks that seem relevant, and some of them are and some of them aren't. Hmm. So you might go you know, having ac- across the the, the the land to find this missing guy named Basilus who turned out to raise an army of, of undead creatures, but he's not relevant. He's a side quest. He's a kind of an involved side quest. Like, um early on in the game you meet some companions and they say go to this town to do this thing and that's plot relevant but you don't know but mm-hmm. when you town there's two different other companions you can pick up and they both say go for, go deal with this no stronghold, quest of town and that's not plot relevant but you don't know so i would i like that you can't tell where the main quest is and um and uh, so that's something i think modern games should do more i suppose i don't know what my point was there
0: no i I just, like, listen to you talk. I'll just be like, here, just topic Bioware, go. And I'm like, I'll listen to that forever. I see
2: um, you
1: but there.
0: you're not, like, playing, like, new things. Like, you never really, like, pick up something that's brand new and go, I'm going to do that. Like, you've been playing Dragon Age games forever.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I, do, I do play new games. I want to try Tyranny, that new one from uh, from um, Obsidian. It's I've never new- even heard of that. It's, it came out just three days ago. It was, uh, it's like, I point behind.
0: PC gamers. I don't know what the hell you're talking about ever
2: it's like um it's like uh, uh Project Pillars of Eternity but it's not it's it's a standalone game um the premise seems to be the battle between good and evil is over and evil won and now you. Hmm. Can-
0: what okay I'm looking at just screenshots what is this like a it looks like a strategy game
2: no it's a top down it's an isometric RPG okay so the interface looks very Infinity Engine
0: yep this looks hard <laughs> Evan, this looks very, very difficult.
2: Hmm. Well, you never played. You didn't. You didn't get caught up in the Renaissance of of, um, of old school RPGs like uh, Pillars of Eternity or Wasteland Two. Wasteland-
0: no, I was too dumb. Like you're, you're clearly way more intelligent than me. I, I was like, I had baby version of that, which was Starcraft and Warcraft
2: Two. Let's let's talk about strategy games briefly People talk about Civilization Six just came out. Yep. And uh, people all on the internet seem to think it's great, and I haven't I haven't played it. But I asked somebody uh, how how easy it is to pick up, because I had a lot of trouble with the last couple of Civilization games, not because they're hard, maybe they are, I don't know, but because they're not well documented. And to me, I want I want to read all the rules of the game before I play the game. Yeah. I do not want to learn by doing in the game. So in-game tutorials. Aren't that helpful, and certainly not revealing the, the mechanics to me as I go. I want to know them all in advance
0: because it's, you can read like a set of documentation and understand like how that's going to be implemented. I have a hard time. Like I, I more of a like I, I, do learn by doing, but that can be a frustrating experience. Which is, I think, what you're trying to avoid of like the trial and error portion of learn by doing,
2: right? Because you don't. If, I want to plan ahead. I don't. I don't feel like I understand. I'm not confident I can do a thing until I know exactly how I can do it.
0: But doesn't that spoil like like do you get into choices within a game? Like do you get to that level where you know that a choice is going to come up and you can you can go one or of three different ways, or do you get to that point after you play through?
2: After after the playthrough, so, so I'll sometimes create a, another character to start to play through a game a second time. We'll mm-hmm. design the character specifically around. I want to see what happens down that branching story path. Yeah. I'm going to design a character who will choose that thing. Uh, But the first time through, I I typically don't want to know anything about the story. I'd love to know all the backstory, all the mechanics, anything Mm -hmm. the character would know at the start of the game, and then nothing else. I'm annoyed that Bioware now feels you need to tell us who all the companions are in advance. How do
0: they do that?
2: Well, they in the marketing.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not being on their phone. Not in
2: the game. It'll be harder to learn. Yeah, not in the game. So... Mm -hmm. So I suppose now that I'm not reporting the all the time because they don't exist,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I will be less susceptible to this problem. But I would like when I first meet a character to be able to have sort of an honest interaction with that character without being worried that I'm metagaming in the background, in, in the back of my mind, trying to make sure that I get this companion on its
1: mm-hmm.
2: Now, unlike like, there's some games, like Mass Effect games, I don't think they have any... Do they have any optional companions in the Mass Effect games? I, f- I feel
0: like in the Mass Effect games, like, they are almost all, at least in the second one, like, you can bring them along, or at least you have to go meet them, and then you can raise up your relationship with them through the loyalty missions, right?
2: Right, but, like, it, it, you have to have... But them.
0: not quite like Skyrim and the Bethesda games, where, like, you could just totally miss out on on some of them.
2: Or, but even in Origins, like, you don't, you never, when you first played Origins, you missed Leliana, Le- you didn't meet her.
0: That's, yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like that in Mass Effect. You're right.
2: It's possible to not meet Sten. It's possible to not, it's possible. Totally.
0: That's my favorite part. Thank you. Yes, I would have just, like, I almost just walked right out of there and I look over this cage and I'm like, oh, I can go talk to this dude.
2: That's right. And there's another, there's another companion that you don't have to let into your party. You could, you could actually kill them. You could, uh, you could kill them rather than let them into the party Mm -hmm. when you first meet them. And, uh, and others, they might turn on you and fight you later, which is something viral doesn't do anymore. Um, there's did several. Did you
0: play all three of the Mass Effect games? I can't remember.
2: I did. I did. I originally I uh, played Mass Effect 2 and didn't like it at all. Yeah. I followed the development of Mass Effect 2 pretty closely because I hadn't followed the development of Mass Effect because it was announced as a console exclusive, and I, I don't like console games. Right. But uh, then it came out on PC, and I played it, and it was okay. It had some potential. I did enjoy parts of it. I really liked driving the Mako. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yep. No one else seems to like the Mako, but I love the Mako. And then Mass Effect 2 came out, and during the development of Mass Effect 2, they announced features like the interrupt feature, and I thought that was a terrible idea. And I believe it was um, uh, Casey Hudson uh, who worked on the, on the game. And I said, I explained why I thought the interrupt system wouldn't work. The players wouldn't know what was coming next. Mm-hmm. If it's blind on a timer, there's no time to consider it. I sometimes take like a minute or two to make a dialogue choice in these games. Mm hmm. A timer-based thing and you don't know what you're going to get and if you don't choose it, you don't know what you're missing out on. Like, there's an opportunity cost in not choosing. In not choosing to drop. Yep. I said, I demand certainty and <laughs> he, and he said no and explained that the whole point was to have it be surprising which he meant that the game wasn't designed to be role-played. If I'm choosing a thing and I'm supposed to inhabit the mind of the character, I should know what the character is going to do so right. I, I, it's I a did half it. step. So Mass Effect Two seemed to be a pretty pretty straightforward linear ah. story in which I had very little control over who my character was or why she was doing what she was doing. I played a uh, female Shepard because I didn't like the male voiceover. The yeah, good choice. Pretty well, that, though. mm-hmm. I thought
0: though. The same goes for Fallout Four, by the way. Yeah, the the female actress I think is way better. When I was listening to Chelsea play this game, I was like, "This is a better game <laughs> than what I played."
2: I would not know. I modded the voice out of Fallout Four. Smart. <laughs> uh, and got full text dialogue options back. <laughs> uh, though aspects of the start of the game don't really work without the voice, because there's like vocal cues where you discover things, and you're supposed to know what to do based on what the character says, that I don't know what the character is saying because I can't hear. Nah, you're probably not missing out on much. But so I didn't play Mass Effect 3 for the longest time. I decided after ME2 I didn't like the series, so I just yeah. gave up. And so I didn't play it when it came out, and uh, didn't follow it at all. And then Inquisition was announced, and I played that. I, well, I played between the two, I played Dragon Age 2, I suppose, and then Inquisition. And then after Inquisition, I thought, I'm going to go back and play Mass Effect 3, because they've announced they're going to make another one. And all the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth about the endings of Mass Effect 3, Like mm-hmm. I need what's the problem? So I, I got Mass Effect 3, and I made a point of playing the original version, not the, um, the extended cut. Okay. I didn't want to, the, the endings they supposedly fixed. I wanted to play the original one. To see why people were so upset. And I played through the game, and I, I must say, I mostly didn't enjoy the game. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like I had any real control over who Shepard was. And and most of the choice, most of the variants in the game seemed to be based not on what you did in that game, but what you did in the previous games. Like, which character? Yeah. Well, it seemed like the whole thing was all fan sorted. Oh, look, it's this guy again. Um, and I could use the name there, I suppose. What was his name? Morden. I like that guy. He's the only real companion I like in Mass Effect. Morden. The Solarian sorry mm-hmm. um but you're so, lucky
0: you're still alive
2: yeah. <laughs> right um that's just i am oh because i got to do that thing i got to not like the key but there was a there was a there was a dlc you could get where you could set a world state yeah without, without having to put import saves i didn't have saves
0: yeah i didn't have them. i he didn't make it for me i was sad yeah. about that i There's liked an- him a lot
2: Without saving force, the um, BioWare tends to the default setting so teams to not introduce characters you would know from the previous game. Mm-hmm. As um, if they did, they need to introduce them for new players, but old players would know them already. So that's wasted time.
0: <laughs> so where are you at with the, with uh, Andromeda? Then they just we just had N seven day. Like, are you because you're kind of tepid on Mass Effect? It's not. It doesn't scratch the same itch as the D and D games
1: do for you.
2: Right, so I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about Andromeda. The 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 um the suggestion there's going to be some exploration component is good because that was my favorite part of the first Mass Effect game, where mm-hmm. I'm the in charge of worlds, the you don't
0: like just scanning the planets, like spinning them and having the little scanner and shooting the probes.
2: Right, and I don't like just being sent go to this planet and I get this very little limited area to visit, like Mars in Mass Effect Three, where it's a linear path through the level, like a shooter game, and I don't I don't play shooters for a reason. Right. Also, I need to find out whether they're going to keep the features I think are necessary for my enjoyment of Mass Effect, uh, specifically the um, pause to aim.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, you can pause the game and aim your gun and then unpause. And I understand in Mass Effect 3 they added a delay after you unpause before you can fire your weapon, but only on the console versions. That's not there in the PC version. Interesting. You can still you can still aim to pause. Aim, uh, sorry, pause to aim, which I'll admit completely trivializes like, the final battle in the first Mass Effect game. Mm-hmm. The enemy jumping around, and I was yeah. going to find him. Just carry a sniper rifle in a close space; he's dead in five shots.
0: Well, it's breaking the design of the game, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, but so I I don't enjoy real time combat like that. That sort of frenetic action. So mm-hmm. I would need them to preserve that pause to aim feature, and and I don't expect them to tell me in advance whether that's there because it's not something other gamers care about. Yeah. So so I don't think I'll know about that in advance. But as a result, I'm not going to follow the development that closely. They got some uh, gameplay video coming out soon, which I don't ever find that informative. Um, yeah. I ever watched gameplay video for Inquisition when they finally was on PC gameplay and they didn't really show me anything I needed to know. hmm So You
0: knew you were gonna play it
2: anyways. Well, right, I knew I, I was gonna play until they totally, if Inquisition had failed for me in the same way Dragon Age two did and Dragon Age two did not fail for me to the same degree the same Mass Effect two did. Yeah but had it been, maybe I would have grown tepid on Dragon Age as well. But Inquisition, I think, was a terrific game. Mm-hmm. It's one of the very best titles. right up there with the first Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and Origins. Everyone should play Neverwinter Nights. I wish somebody would make an enhanced edition of Neverwinter Nights like Beam Dog with, with Baldur's Gate. Because Neverwinter Nights is just a brilliant game.
0: <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. But I am tempted to... Shut down Skyrim and play some of the DLC on Inquisition. Like I think that that might be where I'm at. I was saying to Chelsea, I'm like maybe I don't need more than one fantasy RPG game in my life. Maybe maybe Dragon Age might just be it for me. Like I just am not. I I'm slogging through Skyrim right now.
2: I'm gonna say if you were go- Skyrim, I've never liked Bethesda's combat system. Yes. Uh, finally- with weapons or magic, it's often, it's really clumsy to be real-time. Remember, the first game was supposed to just be arena combat. That's why we was called mm-hmm. arena. And then it turned into a whole big game. And arena's a, a decent game, but the combat's really clumsy, as it is in subsequent games. Skyrim works really well as a stealth archer. Okay. If you sneak up on things and shoot them at range, um, you can do good work as a stealth archer. And there's a, a lovely exploit early in the game to get like really high archery skill
0: but I'm like you like I don't really know that I play this game for its combat like I dive into these worlds for this story and I just like I'm disappointed by the characters I think seem really really bland i have and I have yet to be um introduced to a situation where I'm like I don't know what to do like I want to where you take a moment to make a dialogue choice like I don't care, I don't care what the hell I say I'm just gonna run through these like these different questions until I'm done. I can move on to the next one. Like I was playing just yesterday and I just found myself so disengaged and I was looking, there's a there's a, a Facebook thread somewhere and everybody's like, Why does everybody love Skyrim? And then there a lot of people I think Garrett Blind was telling me uh last week too, saying, It's just so open and this world that you get to go explore and all these I'm like, uh I need, I need something more, and that's why I think Bioware is just so great at giving me these characters that are not cliche, they're not stereotype characters. I have never met somebody like uh, like Jowen, really, I've never had that sort of interaction before, at least not in um, Bethesda games. It just seemed like everybody in Skyrim was like, now you're in Skyrim, and you shall go do this Kill this person, and like it was just so cookie cutter.
2: The plots, the plots in Skyrim are not particularly strong, and the main quest in particular is
0: pretty lame. Yeah, Uh, that's no good. That is that to me is like taking it completely out of greatest game of all time territory.
2: Played Oblivion. Um, uh, I played all the uh, Elder Scrolls games except Daggerfall because I didn't have a machine that could play it at the time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Oblivion aside from being a fundamentally mechanically broken game
1: uh, <laughs> but people say it's
0: great like that's well, a major
2: problem there was a big oblivion overhaul mod that fixed a lot of stuff but the out of the box the, the the whole leveling system is just awful
0: yeah the fans are fixing the game i can't believe this is a thing <laughs> But, but, it's the, a great game because fans fixed it the developers created this thing that was broken fans fixed it and people say that it's I'm getting excited now
2: I was going to say but about Oblivion right at the beginning of Oblivion all the Elder Scrolls games start with you as a prisoner your character's a prisoner and then mm-hmm. you're no longer a prisoner and then you go do what you want to do and there's a plot hook at the beginning of Oblivion and I I'm, the game came up many years ago so I'm going to tell people what it was where you in <laughs> prison and and you meet the king I think yep. who's voiced by Patrick Stewart And and you have a chance to ask him, why am I in prison? Like, I'm in your dungeon. Why am I here? And he will not tell you why you're in jail. Mm -hmm. And then events happen, events transpire where you can escape from prison with him because some bad thing has happened. And he tells you, or he might die. He tells you. He dies. Okay. I don't remember. He, He tells you to go find the captain of his guard in some other city. Yep. Like, why would I do that? Like, it's the captain of the guard of a guy who put me in jail for a reason he won't explain, and I don't know. So that seems like a problem. So that's, I'm never going to go to that town. So I played Oblivion for a while. I never went to that town. I have no idea what the plot of Oblivion was because <laughs> <laughs> I just I was never going to go to that town. I, I, I know as a player, and that's the
0: story but, mission. So you you need that to move forward. So you don't know what happens. Yeah, no clue. That's uh, amazing to me. So, but, but it's fine to you to just go into this world and go play. Like, yeah. that's, that's kind of good enough.
2: RPGs, to me, are not games. This is something I've argued on the internet many times, so I'm going to make this point. Mm.
0: These to me that's are... the thing that's missing for me, because to me, I want the game. I want that.
2: RPGs are not games. RPGs are toys. It's like yep. a chessboard is a toy. Chess yep. is a game. So, mm. these are your pieces, these are how you move, this is what your objective is. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to tell me what my objective is. I might even get to decide how the pieces move, or the some of the pieces don't count. Or it's it's, it's a toy. I can do what I want with it. Hmm. So, so Skyrim worked really well for me in that respect. Yeah, the story quest is not awesome. Some of the uh, faction quests are better. Um, I like the, um, I always like the made content. Um, yep. Though of course I played through the made content as an archer.
0: <laughs> That's okay.
2: <laughs> Why not? What? And and the Dark Brotherhood quest is particularly good. It usually is. Yeah. Where you become an assassin. Um, and it's it. Uh,
0: that but sounds pretty good.
2: It is. But you have, you have to start that one in... in um, what's that town? Um, the one where the... Uh, uh, where the, the... The Nord Rebellion is based.
0: I, I haven't even like... I remember... You know how my memory is. Mm-hmm. I, my memory is terrible. But I remember... Or I remember the Tower of the Magi. Like, I remember these things, and I only played through Origins once. I couldn't tell you. I think there's, like, a White Mud or a Riverbend. Like, all of these areas in, in Skyrim are just, like, knockoff of, like, communities in Edmonton. Um, they're all similar to something. Like, I don't know. And I don't know like what like the politics in any of these areas. There's they're probably there, but I haven't figured it out. They've all got a blacksmith that I can go just use their their forges and, and their spinning wheels to sharpen my, my sword, but I'm a mage, why do I care about swords? So it just doesn't seem like it's for the character that I've created. It seems like it's really trying to force me one way and I've decidedly gone another way. So Similar to kind of your play style, where, um, but in a different kind of way, where I just, I want this to be a magic story. And it just, it, I haven't, I've gone probably eight to ten hours into this thing, and I feel like I'm playing it just to play it.
2: That's fair. That's, um, and, and it's simple when you realize that's what you're doing. That's, that's when I tend to stop playing a game. That's what happened. Yeah. I
0: might be, I might just jump back to Inquisition DLC.
2: That's what happened to me with No Man's Sky. I got like 20 hours into it and realized, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I, yep. And I suspect I'll never touch it again.
0: How are you managing game time now with um, family and moving and all of like how How are things going?
2: Not super well. Um, <laughs> I, find, I find I have I have uh, I've had less time than I would like for gaming for years now. But yeah. but uh, I, I I find some time pretty much every every day. I'll find an hour or two in the evening. Well, uh, I give up sleep a lot to play, and then I'll catch up like one day out of every three.
0: Yep, <laughs> that's a good strategy actually. Right, yeah, that that thing to look forward to where you got yeah, sleep day is on Thursday,
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is a weird day to do because then you're all work on Friday when you don't need to be.
0: <laughs> got to catch up on all the work that you've been slacking off all week because you're you're sleep deprived.
2: That's that's right. So uh, so yeah, no, I'm uh, that's, I'm, there are games on play. I I've, I've stopped being one of the people who buys games on Steam and never plays them. Yeah, I just have this huge library of games on Steam that I haven't played, mm-hmm. probably never will, which is sad. Like I never, I never played the Order of the Stick game, and I never played um, know, there were all sorts of old RPGs I didn't play. Man, it's probably okay. Um, <laughs> but I still, I didn't play the DSS game, and I understand that's a shooter, but I thought it would be an interesting game, sort of story-wise. Mankind divided.
0: Yeah, but- I played. I played a few hours of it. It was okay.
2: But back to your point about Skyrim. No, I have played many hundreds of hours in, in Skyrim, but there's a reason why I don't count it as one of my favorite games. Hmm. There's always something I can do in Skyrim and it's fun, but that lack of compelling, the store, the, the setting is not deep enough to, to, mm-hmm. to, to yes, sort of really in-depth gameplay.
0: Like I feel like if you and I were to sit here and talk about Skyrim, like it wouldn't really be that engaging. It would be me telling you about like this exploration that I did. But when you and I talk about Dragon Age, like we're talking about the choices that we make and like what does it mean like the the fundamental like you, you talk about um, what it means is like almost like a person or the person that you're playing within the game of what do you do in Orzammar? What side do you choose? Because it's it's like a heel turn or a, a good versus evil one side is stands for one thing, and there's a whole bunch of loaded politics over there. Another side stands for something else, and you do something drastic. There's no real middle ground that happens in Orzammar. I don't, I don't see that in in Fallout. I see it trying to, or in in Skyrim, and in my experiences in Fallout, and I feel like the two are closer than I am comfortable with. I, I feel like it's just almost like a skin. You just, you just slap on fantasy onto Fallout, and then you got Skyrim.
2: Well, I mean, would argue they flat, they slap. Uh, post-apocalypse on the Skyrim and follow. would
0: <laughs> Sure, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's probably more accurate. Um, and, and I... I am discouraged by that. No, so to, that's where I'm at.
2: I think about the, the memorable moments I've had in Skyrim. They're all gameplay-based. Like, I mm-hmm. met, I killed that bandit from a great distance under unusual circumstances. But in, in Dragon Age, it's always about, about role-playing. It's about playing the character and... Uh, and making choices and meeting characters and deciding to do. Mm-hmm. So by all means, I think I think Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition are both great games. And I think Dragon Age 2 is a valuable game to play in the them. And depending on your play style, it can be really fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's difficult for someone like me who really wants to design my character in advance and then have that character have some agency. That's something in um, Dia 2. I don't think Hawk had a lot of agency because the world sort of happens to him. The right, the story stands alone, and he doesn't have a lot of control over what happens. Like in the end, you have to go like Act One. You have to go do the thing for the dwarves, and then
0: <laughs> dancing around, dancing on a spoiler minefield over here.
2: You need to like defend the city in the second one, and then the third one, all hell breaks loose. They all. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, look, I think you've helped me push forward my agenda of Dragon Age is greater than Skyrim well enough. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we? close things up here?
2: No, I think I hit my greatest hits about uh patient <laughs> and uh, and uh, and how RPGs are not game if they are toys.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well I think everybody's gonna be just kinda taking a bit of a pause and thinking about this. So thank you so much Evan for being on the show. Finally, finally you're here.
2: Yes, now that I finally we'll moved away.
0: For the week, thank you so much to Evan for taking some time to have a little chat. Take a little stroll down memory lane, talk some Dragon Age, remind me why I love that series so much. I hope you guys like that. I I don't I don't know if you've played Dragon Age, and if that kinda if it if you had that was good, I hope. If you hadn't, go I don't know what you're waiting for. Go play it and then go re-listen because there's a whole bunch of nuggets in there for Dragon Age fans, and for non-Dragon Age fans, I have no idea. I can't say because I'm not a not Dragon Age fan. It's whatever the hell that means. Let's get let's get out of here. Thank you guys for being here on this Monday or whenever you're listening. Of course, the show posts on iTunes and Google Play. Mondays. What else? Why am I out? I'm out of rhythm here? What happened? WeTheNerdy.com hosts this beautiful podcast, so go there every single day for game reviews and opinion pieces and comic book stuff. The Comics Dash podcast is there, so you can find that. Uh, you can follow me at Sean Capri, Sean Connery Capri like the pants. Uh, we also have a web, uh, Twitter for this show, at WeTheGamercast. So you can tweet there if you want to be part of the show too. I'll just throw 100 options here at the end. Subscribe, Nerdflix, and chill the movie podcast that i do with gary t movies and i'm also on if we were at nintendo with bobby the nintendo guru i recorded just this morning this whole day has been podcasting It's a sunday dedicated to the podcasting i hope that i figure out what the heck i'm gonna play let me know what you guys are playing out there i need i need some guidance and direction i am floundering a little bit and i struggle When I have a plethora of games to select, I've got games going all the way back to the NES that I could play, I don't know what I wanna do. And it might be tainting, Dragon Age reference there, it might be tainting my opinion of Skyrim. My whole not knowing what to do right now. I kinda wanna go play Bloodborne. I wanna pick up, I played Super Mario Galaxy 2 on my Extra Life stream. I'm liking this Star Wars game, Force Unleashed, I've never played that before. It's in a steelbook case, so therefore it's it's better that way. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what this week brings. It is a f- it is a full week. No holidays this week. We'll I'm sure be just hearing more and more people complain about the NES Classic and all that stuff. Probably on a show like if we ran Nintendo. On iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all that other stuff. But otherwise, this has been episode 57 of We The Gamer Cast. It is now in your ears. Thank you again for listening. I will be back next week with a very special guest. Nice little teaser there. I hope you're there too. Now it's time for Jason. Jason!
1: Jason! Jason!